Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Oklahoma has desperately got to get better on defense. And that's the biggest issue by far. By far. Oklahoma has given up 40-plus points in four straight games. All league games. That can't happen. And the troubling part for me about OU is that although their coach is a first-time head coach and a new first-year head coach at this location, that's his sweet spot. So doesn't it feel a little bit different than, like, let's say Notre Dame, who's played okay on defense and certainly is a defense that you would expect to get better. But when this is your cornerstone, Brent Venables made his name as a defensive coordinator, both at OU and at Clemson. Like, he knows how to play at the top end, and he comes in, and OU is bad. They are bad on defense. Yeah, that's not really a a fair comparison. Marcus Freeman was already the defensive coordinator at Nebraska. You mean Notre Dame? uh, uh, Sorry. Was already the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame was already good defensively before he took over as head coach. That's That's not a fair... Like the criticism that OU has to be better on defense is obviously fair, without a doubt. But like to compare it to Notre Dame, that's not – I mean, come on. Yeah, that was a team Oklahoma, that was in a New Year's Six Bowl game last year. I mean, the only comp yeah. there is they have a first-year head coach that also has a defensive background. But, no, I, I think that that's – like the overall criticism there is fine by Joel, but I'm with you. The comparison there is like, eh, yeah. it's not as deep as you think it is. Notre Dame had the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They had the uh, number nine defense in the country last year. They're a top ten defense. You can't make that comparison. Like at least Notre Dame is playing good on defense. Come on, man. That there has to be some time. Like Marcus Freeman has had time with that defense and. They have a history of playing good defense. Exactly. Oklahoma has not been good defensively outside of like a flashier in what 2015 as a top 25 defense. We have not been what you would consider a good defensive team in more than a decade. Like, that doesn't get turned around overnight. And I think we've all realized that you know, how good we've been at quarterback has masked a lot of issues, and not just defensive issues, culture issues, like a bunch of problems on the roster have been masked by quarterback play. Absolutely. So it's, it's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take more time than I thought it was going to, um, which is fine. Um I think they've got I think they've got some solid players that are capable of playing good defense, but they're in a new scheme, they're trying to learn uh, you know, a very intricate system and it's just going to take a little bit of time. I think they'll I think they are at a point now with the bye week to where I I don't think it's unreasonable to expect them to start playing better 
than they have up to this point. Yeah. Uh, this, this is a question for the text line, 405-651-3439. What's the position group you feel like most confident about for Saturday's game? You can judge that by how they've played here recently. You can judge that by the actual matchup on the field on Saturday. But the uh, position group you're most confident is going to play well on Saturday. And I'm going to guess that people's responses are going to be the offensive line, the wide receivers, the running backs, or the quarterbacks. It's going to be one of your four on the offensive side of the ball. Right. Um, I think our defensive – like, if you want me to give you someone other than just the the offensive people, which I think the offense – I think they're going to play well, but it may not look like they've played well because of how good Iowa State is defensively, right? I mean – Big plays, it's not going to look the same as it did against Kansas for our offense. We're not going to put up 700 yards of offense. Just not going to happen. Um, not with that attitude, but okay. But I think our, I think our defensive line has a chance to, to have a big game. Iowa State's given up quite a few sacks. Uh, I think their offensive line is probably the weakness of their football team. Um, I think that you know, like I said, with the week off to kind of gather ourselves, refocus, um, you know, really figure out up to this point what we've been good at, what we've been bad at, what um, what plays have hurt us, what plays we've defended well, like just kind of figuring out real, what your strengths and weaknesses are through their self-scout. I think, I think it's going to bode well for for what our defensive line has the the possibility to do i think also getting some guys back having i think our mason thomas is is finally going to be back and i don't know is he 100 percent who's who can you say is truly 100 percent at this point but i think he's healthier that's going to give them an edge in the pass rush game so i'll give you defensive line how about that uh i'll take it i, I the next best answer i think would be mine is offense or excuse me offensive line not only like because you said that Iowa State they give up a, a ton of sacks. Well, Iowa State they don't have a ton of sacks, and I understand that some of that is because of you know how, how many guys they have rushing yeah. the passer. Yes, but I, I guess I just have some confidence that this O line may not look dominant, but they're going to play well enough in the run game to run for the amount of yards that you're going to need to win this game, and I. I guess I have some confidence that Jeff Levy is going to stick to the run game. He's going to see the numbers in the box and say, we got to run the ball here, and maybe I'm proven wrong about this, but I, I, I think that we see OU run the ball a ton on Friday against the – or, excuse me, Saturday against those numbers. But clearly right. I like the way that the offensive line's playing right now. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I think that that's – I think there's some good potential for that. Here's the thing, man. Iowa State, their defensive line, they are not great at getting to the quarterback. Will McDonald has been schemed up, and, and the way they're blocking him is – and they don't have a, a, a complimentary pass rusher to go with him. But, like, their interior guys, <laughs> they don't go anywhere. It, it's like blocking a – like a – I don't know, a boulder or square block or something. They just don't move anywhere. So it's hard to open up any real seams. And 
their overhang players are super aggressive, attacking and coming downhill and and aiding in the run game. So I think the best way to have some success against their defensive line in the running attack is going to be on the perimeter. Uh, and we've done some good things on the perimeter. A couple of our, you know, outside plays, our, our G, G the front side where the guard kicks out. And I think we can do a good job if we block well with receivers on some of the, the quicks where we just hand it. I think some of those have, have some potential. And, frankly, I think I hope we stay in the Wildcat. And, I mean, I, I'm not saying we have to snap it 10, 15 times in the Wildcat, but I think it would do – do some good to at least continue to show that it's a part of our hey, offense and I'm with force you. teams to defend it. I just like which one do you like better though? The Wildcat snapping it to Eric Gray so you can get Braden Willis out there as a blocker, or the Wildcat with Braden Willis running the football? I mean, I like both of them. I don't think you can go wrong with either one. I'm just I wonder which one they'll use more. I don't know. We didn't. They didn't run the one to Braden Willis. Against Kansas, now they lined up in it and shifted out of it. Yeah, was it the first play of the game? Because remember, Gabriel was game, la- yeah. lined up as a wide receiver. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? And he went back to quarterback. Yeah. But they did, they did run it with Gray, right? At least once. Yep, yeah. they did. Um, which one do I like better? I don't know. I mean, I think the I like the one to Gray. I think a little bit better in normal down and distances and situations. I think I like the one to Braden Willis maybe a little bit better on maybe a short yardage and goal line type of package, but like I either or run them both. Like I don't I don't really have a, a much of a preference either way. But I think it need it'd be nice to, for that to continue to be a a part of our offense, if for no other reason than to just keep defenses guessing and having to prepare against it and, and spend time on it. Text line says running backs most confident and the one nobody will say the linebackers. The ISU offensive line isn't world beaters and I think the backers will eat. So saying running backs and linebackers most confident in. Okay. Hope that's right. It would be awesome if Stutzman had his best game to date on Saturday. If he was great yeah. against the run, I mean, that would be – because at this point, man, that is um, – that's what I just uh, – I want to see that in the last final game. Like, y- you still have some pieces on this defense. It's not going to be a total overhaul next year defensively. Like, Danny Stutzman right. is still going to be one of your key players next year. I think Ethan Downs is going to be one of your key players next year. Billy Bowman, when he's back out there, going to be one of your key players this year. Those guys are young. They hadn't played a ton of football before this year or at least started a lot of games. Let me see Let me see Danny Stutzman get better in a game like this. Same thing with Downs and Bowman when he gets back. Hell, put R. Mason right. Thomas out there. I'm, I'm down for that. Put R. Mason Thomas out there and see if he can make a couple plays. Um, good points, and I'll respond to those in a moment. But first, I was uh, just handed a note uh, by Toby Rowland. And he says they did, in fact, run the uh, Braden Willis Wildcat on the goal line on the opening drive versus Kansas, and it got stuffed, and then they ran it in with Barnes on the next play. So we did see uh, the Braden Willis right. package uh, down on the goal line. Um, but to the point about um, the backers, I agree. Now, remember coming into the season, I was saying that guys like Downs, guys like Stutzman, 
Bowman, guys that are true sophomores getting their first real opportunities to start and be major contributors week in, week out. What I always said about them, and I still believe it, that they would be totally different players in the back half of the season than they were the beginning of the season. And I still think there's a chance for that. Um, I think Stutzman is coming off of one of his best games against Kansas. I thought I'm starting to see way more. um, His eyes are way better. His awareness is way better. Starting to see him in like mainly in his zone drops to to have a better understanding of, of the past concepts and how to defend them. I think he's doing a much better job there. Now, he did a lot of good things. He also had some really bad plays in that in that Kansas game, which you're gonna see, man. That's again, he's just a true sophomore. But I think that this game in particular, because of like how vanilla they are and at least up to this point, how limited they've been in what they do offensively, it lends itself to a game where you could see Stutzman and Aguebu and the backers, Deshaun White, have a, a really good, productive, sound football game. And I hope that's the case. Something to build on. Gunny says running backs. Uh, we've got another vote for linebackers. The underthrow and the overthrow has been our defensive strength thus far. Uh, 918 says, I'm going with the defensive backs. We will have at least two interceptions. Ooh. I like that one. What, uh, Upper Deckers has thrown two this year? Or, excuse me, seven this year? Is that right? I think he's thrown seven. Yeah. He's at least fumbled once. I don't know how many times he's fumbled the ball away. I know he fumbled at the end of that Texas game last time they played. Which was not a targeting I know people like were claiming that should have been a targeting call. That is not targeting. Uh, you do, come on. Do you really want defensive players called for targeting when they go in and make a big hit on a ball carrier well, no, that's not sliding? But that I mean that that wasn't the point. It's like, does anyone know what targeting is now? It seems to be a case by case basis on what it is. It's and, true, and I yeah, guess and ju- you know, judging by some of the past targeting calls, that one kind of you know look look like some of the ones we've seen called in the past. Yeah, no, uh, there's there's truth to that uh, for sure, but that's not a play that at least I can't say we because maybe some people do want that call targeting. I don't. I I love that play. I didn't love that it was a Texas guy making it, but I thought it was a nice play, and it. Ended the game. Like, it's nice to be able to see teams end games on physical plays on defense without being flagged for it. So, um, but yeah, man, I I don't know. The backers, I think, like if if I was to so far looking at the offenses that we've played and that we will play, if I had to select one where I thought the backers, like, we may not have. A ton of tackles for loss and a ton of light tackles, but that's not indicative of great linebacker play. I, the amount of tackles you have isn't always uh, – like, the better you play defense, the less production guys have. It, gets, it ends up being spread throughout the entire defense, and you're on the field less. So I'm not really looking for big production numbers as far as tackles, but – 
being in the right place, being underneath routes, uh, making tackles in space whenever you have the opportunity, fitting runs properly that, you know, maybe force it to the outside to where a defensive end makes a play or something like that. Like, I expect these guys to have a sound game against Iowa State. There's, there's frankly, there's no reason not to. Uh, factor crap quickly on a few of these. OU is the best offense that Iowa State will have faced this year. Um, hang on. Now, I'm by the numbers, the by the numbers, TCU is the number one total offense in the Big 12. They haven't played Iowa State yet. Texas Tech is number two. They haven't played Iowa State yet. OU is three. So by the numbers, it's fact, but we don't always judge things by what the total offense numbers are. Um, yeah. Yeah, I- I'm okay with that. Facts? You're going with facts, not crap? I'm going – are we better offensively than Iowa? Hi. <laughs> It didn't feel – well, it still kind of felt like it in the Texas game, to be honest with you. At least they picked up that first third down on the opening drive. Yeah. I think we are um, – Texas is Texas is pretty good. Let's look at the Big 12 statistics, which the Big 12 statistics are skewed because we played a game and a half without our quarterback and essentially got nothing done in that – six quarters so our numbers do not do uh full justice for how good our offense is um i would say i would say us or texas okay i would say uh, us or texas uh fact or crap this is the best defense OU will have faced up to this point fact uh fact or crap this is the worst offense in the big 12 no we'll, we'll just keep it overall this season Worst offense that OU has seen at any point this year? Um, Basically asking you, are they worse than Kent State, UTEP, or Nebraska? And Nebraska. I think UTEP is probably worse just because of the, the level of player, but it's definitely the worst in the Big 12 that we face, and statistics bear that out very cleanly. Um. Hard to say with UTEP in in Kent State. Kent State, I don't know exactly what they've done. Their offense has been really good the last couple of years, so I don't know if they've continued that or not. One more on the text line. Camo Sooner says, is this the week we score a touchdown on special teams? You got a great chance this week. Um, Iowa State is number eight in field goal percentage, 9-13. They're ninth in punting. Last in punt returns, ninth in kickoff returns, you get the point. Um, they're one of the worst overall special teams units of the conference. But yeah. Marvin Mims is going to have to get a chance for that to be the case, which hasn't happened since this team played in Lincoln. And you haven't had a ton of opportunities with kick returns either. Right. But it is going to be a uh, chilly morning in Ames with uh, what I'm looking at. It looks like the high on Saturday is 65. So I'm sure it's going to be cool for the 11 a.m. kick. It may be a beanie season for your bald head on Saturday. Uh, I'll be jealous. inside up in the press box with the uh, the comfortable conditions up there. My goodness. The last time we played there in the, on an 11 a.m. game was the 2018 season. 
and it was early. I think it was, was that our first Big 12 game of the season? Yeah, yeah, it was definitely early on. I think it was. Oh, it was one of the most brutal um, games. Like, I know it's we're calling a football game. How bad can it be? But they had, like, these big glass front to their press box, and the press box did not have air conditioning. And you couldn't open windows. So it was basically like a greenhouse <laughs> with the morning sun just, like, straight across pounding into the press box. Dude, it was brutal, whoa, man. Whoa, whoa. It felt like a sauna. It was like a greenhouse? Huh. Yeah. Look for A&M to schedule a home-and-home with Iowa State here sometime in the near future. Oh, really? Yeah, I can Growing see that. Growing a little homegrown weed, huh, not, for huh? A&M guys? Nice. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. Stay with us. Opinions. You've got them. We want to hear them. Sound off 24-7, 365 on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Hi, I'm Trevor Turner with RK Black. It is the rush on the ref, the Riverwind Casino and Hotel, bringing you this hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. There is a, there's a few interesting on this days in Sooner history. One of them being uh, 20 years ago. 20 years ago today, Roy Williams made a hit in Lincoln, Nebraska. That, or excuse me, 21 years ago today, Roy Williams made a hit that sounded like a car crash on the uh, first mm-hmm. <laughs> opening series of the game against Nebraska. But that was that 01 OU Nebraska game. Uh, Ten years ago today was a night that a lot of people would like to forget. OU loses to Notre Dame at home. James Harden gets traded during Mm. the middle of the game. And then 66 years ago today, OU shut out Heisman winner Paul Horning and Notre Dame and South Bend 40 to nothing. The OU defense had four interceptions against Notre Dame that day. Two of them were uh, returned for a touchdown against the eventual Heisman winner. Paul Horning, the only Heisman winner to have a losing record and still win the award. Talk about some bias what, there. What a scam. What year was that? Uh, 1956. Yeah, 1956. So, who, who there was someone on OU that should have won it that year. Tommy McDonald. Should have won it that, was that year. Yeah, it was Tommy McDonald should have won the Heisman or Trophy Jimmy that Harris, year. Jimmy Harris, I don't know, that he did, take your pick. Right. That was uh, total this, crap. This, this is how much college football has changed over the years. That's 66 years ago. I mean, it's a lifetime. But the guy that won the Heisman Trophy completed 53% of his passes, uh, 59 of 111, <laughs> 917 yards, three touchdowns and 13 interceptions that year. Won a quarterback the wow. Heisman Trophy. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Um, now, here's something interesting that you uh, you may or may not like, Tyler. So you said, what was it, 21 years ago today was the that Roy Williams hit? Yes. So 21 years ago today, I lo- lost my first – football game wow in college 
Dang. Huh. You're a... So... No, you're in a special group with that in terms of guys, like how many games they played in before they lost their first game at OU. I think that was like... I think we were... I'm looking here. 13. I think we, uh, you, you obviously won your first 13 20. in your freshman yeah. year. So you start off seven. You won your first 20 games at OU. Dang. Yeah, we start off 7 and 0. It's crazy. Man. Yeah. And the first. We were number two and lost. They, I, I didn't know Nebraska was number three that year. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they were, they were really, won. They were really good that year. So your first 20 games, how many top got 15 teams did you beat? 2000, Texas. Kansas State, Nebraska, Kansas State again, Florida State. There's five in the first year. Uh, Texas in then, 2001, Kansas State in 2001. You had seven top 15 wins before you lost a game there. Wow. Yep. 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 That was, uh, yeah, that was, so that was October of, uh, October 27th. Like, I had been, I, Think of how long I'd been there. I got there in like May of 2000, and hadn't. That was the first like locker room or any like feeling I'd ever have of losing a football game, a year and a, like a full year and a half later or more. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, right? Pretty crazy. Also, um, 21 years ago today, or somewhere around that, was the first time that you heard, "You know why you're playing, right?" Because you have nobody else, at least you know that. I'm not sure what part of the. I'm not sure what game of the the season that was. That may have been well. Oh, Br- Brent told well you that earlier. during the middle of a game. He told you that. During, I thought it was at least by, no, 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 during no, no, no. the week. No, it was during it was during the week of practice. But I'm not sure. I'm saying I'm not sure what game week that was. That may have been like Kansas State or something. Maybe maybe even earlier than that. Um. It's also 21 years ago, like, coming up, I'm not sure if it was, I'm not sure exactly, I can't remember, I think it was before. So it's probably like 21 years ago, almost to the day, uh, well, I guess it would have been earlier this week, that um, I got arrested wearing a Mark Mangino costume at a <laughs> Halloween party. Yeah! <laughs> Free Teddy! <laughs> oh, man, that was, uh, that was something. No, I feel like that was after that game. I'm pretty sure that was after that game, but I'm not sure. Um, that's crazy, though. Okay, I wanted to uh, yeah, share that's this. Yeah, that's that. I was handed a note over the previous break, um, and it's interesting. And I thought I heard maybe someone reference this um, – Maybe Toby had said this, but Oklahoma, if you take away the six quarters that Dylan Gabriel did not play quarterback, Oklahoma is the number two offense in the country in yards per game, which is pretty impressive. That, you know, TCU right now is number three. Uh, Georgia actually is number two, um, which is a bit of a shock. Oregon, uh, Ohio State is four. Oregon is number five. So we'd be right there in the mix with with the familiar characters that, that you're used to. Um, so that's pretty impressive. But here's the thing to me that I keep trying to pound home and no one cares to hear, and maybe they're right, um, 
maybe it's correlation without causation, but I also think that that's the worst six quarters of defense that we've played. <laughs> and It's like Sean just think, texted in, if you take away the last four games, OU's defense is pretty good. Well, I, I think that um, – well, I, listen, like, I, I understand – I understand that people feel that way, and I agree. I mean, there's it's been bad. I'm not trying to say that it's that it's been good, but I've seen good play, and I the the first um, right up until the Nebraska game, like after the Nebraska game, it had been good, right? We saw good defense, and I know those offenses aren't great, but still, we saw good defense. We saw them defending like a a good football team, like the same Kent State team that got three points against us went and put up, you know, well well over that to Georgia, you know, against Georgia's defense a couple weeks later. So I don't know. I understand that, but I still believe and maintain that when our offense, like we didn't go from the number two offense in the country – to the number 10 or 15, it flatlined to nothing. Like, we did not move the ball at all outside of the rest of that drive that Dylan Gabriel got hurt on. Yeah. We went down and scored, and we didn't score again, I don't think, for, you know, however many more minutes and snaps in quarters it was with our offense. Well, okay, that number – It flatlined. That, that stat is interesting because, in case you missed it, when Dylan Gabriel is out there, what is it they have? They're number two in the country in yards per game. So I have that right? Yes. So I saw a list today on ESPN. They're ranking college football's top 50 transfers, all right? And it was only interesting to me because Dylan Gabriel was all the way back at number 31 – behind a defensive back that UTEP currently has. I mean, it was way far behind. So I, I guess I just wonder what's the perception of this fan base and what the perception nationally is by what Dylan Gabriel has done so far this year. And I wonder if that starts to switch at all, if it's really negative, if he throws up big numbers against a defense like Iowa State. I am in no way no. saying that he's an elite quarterback. I'm not saying that, but... The numbers do like numbers like that do tell an interesting story, right? Yeah. Well, it's not it's not going to. Um, it's like no one cares if if we if he goes out and beats Iowa State and throws for five touchdowns, three hundred yards, and we put up more points and more yards than anyone has against Iowa State by a huge margin. No one's going to say that. They're going to say, well, that's a, they haven't won a game in conference. Of course you did. All right. You know how that goes. You don't, you, other than people who are like tied in and watch the Big 12 and, and it's not even everyone that, uh, that is tied in that will see it that way. But, you know, that's just how it is. And that's fine. Like at the end of the day, the statistics, you don't win anything off of, of what your stats say. It's all off the wins and losses. But, I mean, I do think that it's important to note some of those things whenever people are trying to like, say how good or bad we are as a football team and what to expect from them. 
I still think that we're way better than people think, which is fine. Hey, Saturday uh, will be the, the real indication of that. It's me and six people on the text line on that island, and that's fine. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on here from Wow, what a quote there from Pete Thamel. When things get more difficult, he's not the calming voice. He just talks faster. And it sounds like a slam, but it's 100% true, man. And I am going to – I'm very interested to see how Jimbo Fisher navigates these rough waters in College Station because he's got another tough one coming up this weekend, man. Yeah, I – I'm pulling up their schedule right now. I don't think it's just this weekend. Isn't the rest of the schedule except they for their, have one layup out of gimme? conference? Yeah, but outside yeah. that, it's going to be Ole Miss. It's going to be LSU. Um, I feel like every game is definitely losable from here on out for them, except that one. Yeah, they've got they've got Ole Miss. Now Florida and Auburn are winnable football games for them, but you know I. They really, outside of the Arkansas game that they won, that they should not have won, they haven't really beaten anyone. They beat Sam Houston, and they beat Miami. Miami was god-awful that game, and Miami's been god-awful the entire year, so I guess that game makes sense. Yeah, and Arkansas has, has kind of fallen apart as well, but they still, how they won that game is... Well, they Crazy. won the game because they K.J. Should... Jefferson jumped too soon at the goal line, fumbled it going in, and A&M returned it the other way for a touchdown. Or they don't win that game. And and Arkansas, didn't they miss a field goal at the end of it? Uh, at the, it like regulation. Right over the top of the up? Yep, yep, yeah. yep. It's exactly what happened. Yeah. So they got lucky to win that. So I wouldn't say necessarily that Florida and Auburn are gimmies, but I expect them to lose, probably lose big to Ole Miss, and – I expect him to get absolutely pounded by LSU to end the year. Now, the other three games, who knows what happens, but I definitely have them with, uh, with two more losses. So what's that, um, six and six for them? Mm-hmm. So yeah, they got to – wait, yeah. are they three and four right now? Is that their record? Three and four. They've lost So they got to win three more games to make it to a bowl. I don't think it's going to happen. Plank uh, predicted this morning – he thinks he's going to be the next head coach at West Virginia. Um, he is from West Virginia. He made a comment about West Virginia earlier this year. Yeah. Well, it's home, and you never say never when you're talking about home, man. It, 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 West Virginia is a great place, and it's got great people. You never say never when you're talking about home. But I just – for him to just willingly leave means he's going to have to give up that entire buyout. And who's in the business of mm-hmm. leaving – $86 million on the table. I don't care how much you love your home. How long has he been there? Uh, five years. This is Jimbo's fifth year at A&M. Five years, and he's made – he started off making seven and a half a year, right? And then they bumped it up. So, I don't know, man. I think at some point, I when the scrutiny becomes overwhelming, like, I don't care how much money you make. You don't want to be miserable to where the fan base can't stand you. You feel like the players have lost respect for you and, and you're not, 
you're not getting out of them what what you did previously. Like just the pressure nonstop. It's it's in your mind and hanging over the top of you. Like at some point, like happiness is worth a lot of money, and whenever you've made as much as he has, he's been in this game for a long time. Like taking a, taking a pay cut. I, he's still going to get paid great if he goes to West Virginia. He'll probably still make five and a half or six million a year. Yeah, if he goes to West Virginia. Well, as crazy it is like, to say, and West Virginia's not a top twenty job, but could West Virginia do better than Jimbo Fisher? I mean, I don't know if they're no. going to hire a head coach with a no. that's won a national championship, but his stock's not exactly super high right now. His, his stock's not super high, but I mean. We, if you get if you have a chance at Jimbo Fisher and your West Virginia, you probably take it. I guess you know? well, yeah, just yeah. to give you just to give you a, na- a recognizable name on the recruiting trail. Um, he can he'll have the ability to put together a good staff, um, I think. But I don't know. Like that doesn't shock me. At some point, like I know his buyout is like ninety million. If I was Jimbo Fisher, I'd be like, listen, you give me twenty million, I'm gone. If you really want me out of here, you write the you write the check for twenty and I'm out. Yeah. And maybe twenty's not the number. I'm just saying though, right? Like if he thinks it's best to move on and they want to move on, like something can be worked out. Like you don't want to be somewhere where everyone hates you and it's miserable and you know you only have the job because of like the contract uh is is keeping you there. Like no one wants to live that way. Uh, here's some unfortunate news, and I'm going to share it just because it's uh, it's up on Twitter, and I, I think the family wants people to know about it. Damon Miner, former Sooner, just tweeted out a GoFundMe link for his brother, Ryan Miner, and in the GoFundMe link, it says, Ryan Miner, former two-sports standout at the University of Oklahoma, has recently been diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Oh. Man, that stinks. Oh, that's terrible. So they're looking he, to raise a lot of money for some medical bills. Uh, go follow Damon Miner on uh, Twitter for that link to the GoFundMe if you uh, if you feel like you want to help out with uh, Ryan Miner's medical expenses. Man, that's rough. Didn't I see? Wasn't he working with a with a one of the like a AAA team as a hitting coach or something recently? I'm not sure exactly what it was, but. Yeah, I'm gonna look that up right now and and try and try and get that out there a little bit more. Yeah, he well, he but, um yeah. yeah he he coached uh, professional baseball from 06 to 2021, so that's probably what you saw. I don't know if it was a Triple A team or not, but I, I feel like it was a minor league team. Yeah, dang. Well, uh, there you go. If you get a chance, help if you can. Um, man, that's uh. That's brutal. Well, I guess we'll hit a timeout on that note. Yeah. Quick break. Yeah. Hope More the from the rush coming up, and uh, we will wrap up the evening next here from Pryor's Pizza Kitchen in Goldsby, the place to come watch football for the rest of the season, especially on road games. If you're not going, TVs everywhere, full service bar, uh, coal fired pizza kitchen, which it's the only one in the state. It's really, really good. Plus, tons of great stuff going on outdoors. They've got pickleball courts. They've got uh, cornhole courts. They've got uh, tons of seating outside with fire pits and 
They've got big projection screens outside. It's really a one-of-a-kind location. You've got to come see us out here in Goldsby.